So how's everybody doing? Good? Well, it's uh, just an awkward season in general to be meeting. It's even weird that we can't shake hands or do a lot, but um, one thing we haven't done for a while is pray together, uh, united in, you know, in one room. Uh, so usually we used to like get people together and be close and pray with each other, but try something a little different. We've got a song uh, that's going to go with Matt's message today. We're going to play that. So I want to encourage you. Well, first, anybody got prayer concerns? Anybody want the church to be praying for you for anything? All right. All right. Well, that's easy. But um, all right, so here's what we're going to do. The song is like four or five minutes. Um, so you can pray with the people who came, but then a little weird thing, just find somebody. If you don't know their name, just look around, pick somebody. Be like, uh, lady in the yellow shirt, I don't know you, but I'm going to pray for you. 
So just do that. It's going to take five minutes. Pray with yourselves, with your family that's with you. Um, pray for the church, for your family, and for somebody in the room. doesn't matter who. Just find a random person and pray for them. So it's going to be weird, but God works in the weird too.
Well, good morning. How is everyone? It's good to be here again. I feel like I'm uh, really loud this morning. But it's good to be here. I um, want to say welcome to everybody. Welcome to those that are in service in person, but also those that are with us uh, online. also want a special shout out to my kids who are hopefully awake and watching, Emerson, Brogan, and Coleman. Um, but before we begin, let, let's just continue this time of prayer and uh, um, we'll, cl we'll uh, do the Lord's Prayer together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this uh, time to gather this morning, just the time that we get to uh, sing praises to you, to listen to your word, just to gather and just fellowship, you, even though it might be a little bit strange and weird, and um, just during the season, Lord, that you just be with us, just uh, guide us and direct us, give us the, the courage and the strength and just what we need to continue our lives, Lord. Uh, we just ask that you continue to be with those that have been on our minds and our hearts, um, that you know each and every single request, and that you can grant uh, whatever those requests are, Lord. Uh, we just pray that uh, as we begin the message this morning, that you just uh, help us to focus our minds, open our hearts to what, is, what you want us to hear, um, so that we can not only live it in our lives, but share it with others around us. Lord, we just... Uh, Thank you so much for what you've done for us and just uh, keeping us safe and just uh, helping us to look forward to um, another day. Uh, Lord, we just ask that uh, you just be with us this morning, and we thank you for teaching us how to pray as we pray the Lord's Prayer this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you want to open to Luke chapter 15, we're going to spend some time there this morning. Uh, starting around verse 11. This morning, uh, we're, we're going to consider the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, I'm sure we've heard this story many, many times before. You see, it's a story about a younger son who leaves his father behind. An older son who didn't understand the relationship, what a relationship to the father was all about. And really what I want to focus on this morning is on the great and gracious love that the father offers through this all. You see, there are seven aspects to this message, and they all begin with the letter R. So, you know, if you're taking notes, um, you know, we've got seven R's. Uh, rebellion, recklessness, reflection, repentance, reconciliation, reaction, and relevance. Although the main focus of the prodigal son parable is, is really the ungracious brother the assumptions made about the prodigal's father are enlightening. We can make the assumptions that the background of the father to the prodigal son, and they seem to be that he's worked hard. He saved his money. Maybe the world would have a 
would be a better place if men had that attitude today. But you see, there are many men who seem to have no desire to provide or protect for their families. We can assume that this father had trained his sons as most Jewish men did. His father was probably a man who wanted his children to walk with God. He probably trained his sons in Hebrew scriptures, in prayer, and in godly living. And he would have been active in their practical training as well. He would have probably hoped that his children had learned from good things from him. Yet right at the beginning of the story, we see the prodigal son who is rebelling, who has this rebellion. Verses 11 and 12 say this. Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. When the, son, when the younger son asked for his share of the father's estate, his request was legal according to the Old Testament law, but it was a rebellious request. Old Testament law stated that the younger son was entitled to one-third of the father's estate, and it was acceptable for a man to divide his estate among his heirs while he was still living. But it was rebellious because the son was basically saying, Father, I wish you were dead. I'm tired of you, and I want to be free from your control over my life. The younger son's attitude was marked by sinfulness and selfishness. He had decided he knew more how to live his life than his father did. When you were young, maybe you thought you knew better than your parents. Maybe your children and your grandchildren now think that they know better than you. Nothing changes over the years, does it? Yet the father in this parable shows love and grace by allowing his son to choose his own path. And he gives his son the required portion of his own life work. You see, it seems like the younger son wanted what his father could give him, but didn't want his father. People who refuse to place their faith in God, the people who refuse to place their, their life and give it over to the lordship of Jesus Christ, are living their lives in exactly the same way. Even the people who call themselves Christians, yet ignore God until they want something, are living in rebellion. They may pray, God, give me, but they only want what God can give them. They don't want him. They don't want him to be a part of their life. May we never live or behave with rebellion towards our loving Father in heaven. Next is recklessness. Luke 15, 13 says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Distant country, that can represent any place we've tried to get away from from God. In a modern psychologist, if a modern psychologist analyzed this parable, he might say that the prodigal left home because his father oppressed him, or that he was sheltered from life by his overly protective mother and the poor financial prospects in a profit-driven society. Or maybe the blame could be focused on the government who should have provided more facilities for, to occupy troubled teenagers. Others might argue that the rabbis were not strict enough, or because the boy was forced to go to the synagogue every Saturday, he was, not, he was now rebelling. Have you noticed how often people try to blame others for their decisions that they make? 
the choices that they make. People try to avoid personal responsibility. A person does something wrong and then defends themselves by blaming other people for their own actions. The parable says the son squandered his wealth. The son, despite his father's goodness, made a choice about how he would live his life. It was a bad choice. It was his choice. And it's that simple. And that is what still happens today. We each have free will. We each have free choice. The younger son chose to live by the worldly philosophies that say, enjoy today. Go for it. Get all you want while you can. Life's a party, so have a blast. In some families, children never grow, are never seen as grown adults by their, by their parents. Or sometimes even siblings treat their brothers and sisters as if they were still sharing childhood. You see, one thing that is clear is that the father in this parable respected the free will and the choices of his children. How many of you like to read stories, fictional stories, novels? How many of you read stories about wealthy families with adult children who do nothing except live off their parents via allowances? Then someone in the family eventually is tired of being controlled and kills off the elderly parent to get the inheritance. You see, in this parable, the prodigal son does not have to put poison in his father's tea. He simply asks for his inheritance, and his dad gives it. Here is the truth. It may have broken his father's heart, but he had to let his son be reckless. Which brings us to reflection. Verses 14 through 17 say this. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be a citizen of that country, who sent him to the field, to his own fields, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. You see, the truth is, is that sometimes we need to be brought low to realize what we already have. The truth is that sometimes we need to be brought low to realize what we already have. Often... We look for wrong things in wrong places. When our Heavenly Father has already provided us with everything that we need. In the far country, nobody cared whether the son had what he needed for day-to-day existence. Many in the world are only interested in what it is, what is in it for them. When the son was in need, it was as if everyone looked the other way. Without his wealth, without his extravagance, without his wild living, he was abandoned. No government handouts, no benefits, not a bowl of pig food to stop him from starving to death. When the son squandered his wealth, he had no thought about the consequences. The son lived in the moment and had no thought about the future. And the son had to reflect on the circumstances, and he realized that repentance was the only solution. 
Verses 18 through 20 say, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to the father. Repentance is not being sorry for where you are and staying there. Repentance is being sorry for what you've done to get where you are and then getting up and doing something about it. You see, the biblical definition of repentance is, some, is like someone traveling in the wrong direction. I know, we've all been there. Realizing it and turning to go the right way. Repentance involves self-examination, determination to change, and action to move in the right direction. Another great truth that we see from the Father in the story is compassion. And another is truly, when another is truly repentant, like the Son was, we see this compassion in the Father. He was eager to forgive And we must be generous with our grace. And the father did not withhold that grace. The son knew he needed to repent. And the father wanted reconciliation. The second half of verse 20 through 24 says, But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. When the son repented, when the son turned around and began his journey home, the father was waiting. The father was watching. And in love, the father ran to meet his child. When we have wronged someone, we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to do whatever we can to make reconciliation possible. We need to take responsibility for our bad choices. We need to understand what we have done wrong. And, try to just, and not try to justify our bad choices. In Christ, we are forgiven. And as those who have been forgiven, it is right and appropriate for us to forgive others. But not everyone is gracious to forgive. Notice this. The father ran to his son and hugged and kissed him before the son said a word. Some people think that they can protect themselves from hurt. Or gain control by not forgiving the actions of another. But the father was so eager for this reconciliation. When the opportunity came, he ran towards it. The son returned with a repentant, humbled, contrite spirit. And the father gladly receives his son and restores him to his family. He gives him a robe to replace the old, worn, and smelly garments. A ring symbolizing the family seal. And shoes because only the slaves went barefoot. And there in a great rejoicing as the whole household throws a celebration. The fattened calf 
was the animal set aside, fed the best feed, and saved for a celebration of great importance. And the clear cause of celebration are the Father's words in verse 24 when he says, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now that is an amazing reaction, isn't it? But sadly, there's the older brother. The older brother who did not react in quite the same way. 25 through 32 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in a field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, was, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But, when, but, we had, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In some ways, it seems the older brother was really no better than his younger brother used to be. You see, the older son had a resentful relationship with his father and he refused to acknowledge his own brother. He calls him the son of yours, not my brother. It seems the older brother has no joy in being part of the family. It seems he was only grudgingly, disobe grudgingly obedient. Notice this. Just as the father went out to meet the repentant younger son, he also goes out to meet with his oldest the older son who remained at home, the firstborn, he was bitter, and his father treated the renegade son better than he seemed to treat his firstborn. In essence, the father did treat them differently because they were different people. They had different needs. But that does not mean he loved one more than the other or valued one above the other. It was a cause of comparing it was a case of comparing apples and oranges. The father loved both boys equally. The father was gracious and kind in his treatment of both of his sons. So what is the relevance of all of this? To truly understand this parable, I think we need to go back to the beginning of chapter 15. And hear what, what Jesus says here. It says, now the tax collectors... And sinners were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And then he finds it. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. 
Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together (coughs) and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You see, Jesus is telling us this. Jesus is letting us know that our Father God cares about people who are lost. Our Father God doesn't want anyone to perish. Our Father God wants the lost to become found. Our Father God knows that all they need, all that they can do on their own is harm themselves. And what joy our Father God feels when the lost become found. In fact, all of heaven rejoices. As we begin to close the message this morning, the man, he had two sons. Both of his sons were sinners. The younger son was rebellious. He was reckless, disrespectful, and morally sinful. The older son was jealous, had a lack of love for his father and his brother. He was false and selfish in his motives for serving the father. Egotistical, ungrateful, and blind to his own sinfulness. Yet the father was loving. The father offered his grace and mercy to both. In the two sons, there are two contrasts. When an openly rebellious person comes to their right mind, when they turn and go to the Father, they know for certain that they don't deserve God's grace and goodness. While those who pretend to be devoted to the Father believe that they deserve their rightful inheritance and believe they're good enough to deserve God's grace and goodness. Let me tell you that none of us deserves God's grace and his goodness. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the Father loves us. The Father cares for us. The Father wants the very best for us. He offers his mercy and his grace. To the rebellious, disobedient prodigal, the message is, come home. The Father loves you. To the prideful, self-righteous, older brother, come into the house and enjoy the feast. The Father loves you. You see, our Father, Heavenly Father did what was necessary to provide a way of salvation from our sins. We have a wonderful hope a wonderful promise in the grace and mercy of our loving God. And may each of us experience that power that the Father has in store for us in our daily lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that uh, we've had to 
dig a little bit deeper in, into the prodigal son and look at the father and how it relates to, to not only father figures that we have on earth, but, but also you, the compassion that we need to have, the, 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 the desire just to give the best to our children, the, the hope, the mercy, the, the grace that you offer to us each and every single day, Lord. Lord, Lord, I just pray that if there's somebody here this morning, somebody online that, that is struggling, that, that is acting like the prodigal son, that, that they know that you are there welcoming them with open arms, that they say, welcome home. I love you. You know, if, they, if there's somebody who's been a Christian for quite a while that ne- never quite really understood it, uh, they did they, Think that they need the inheritance, that they deserve it, even though they still mess up. That, that you just speak to them. Um, that you know that, that you let them know that, hey, the feast is still here. Come in and enjoy. I love you. Lord, we want nothing, nothing more than just to worship you. We want nothing more just to focus on you and, and know and feel and sense your love. Lord, we want to be able to go out into the world and share it with others. Lord, that this time that we're living in is strange and, and sometimes hard to wrap our mind around. But Lord, we know that you are in control and we need to put our trust in you. We know that you have our best interest in mind. That you're giving us all that we need. Lord, and ultimately, we just thank you for sending your son to die on that cross for us when we were still sinners, when we didn't deserve it, but you did it. And we just want to know you more and more every single day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Continue to pray here for communion. Father, I just thank you for this morning and we thank you for this for this time together. I thank you for Matt and and bringing your word. I know um, of all the parables, I know many can can connect to to this parable. We've all been in one of those roles or in one of those roles as a, as a child or as a parent. But Father, I just thank you for Matt striking the chord of repentance and that can't be done without reflection. And it's at this time in our service that we reflect. We reflect of where we are, where we've been, where we wanna go, what our role is, we reflect upon the cup and the bread and your sacrifice and your grace and your glory. And it's our time to feast because you are rejoicing, because we have gathered, because we reflect, because we repent. And we thank you for your love. So as we take the cup and the juice, 
and the bread. I just ask you to bless it to our bodies, to give us strength, to give us the courage that we continue to reflect and repent and acknowledge you and praise you and worship you. In your son's name we pray, amen. Matt. So praise God that we have so many people blessed at this church that can teach, preach, right? Rich, a lot of other people. But um, it's nice. This last song we're going to do is joyful. It's just kind of, I don't just, you know, it's very comforting and brings a lot of joy to know that no matter how much we mess up and we do it every day, that Abba Father, God is standing there. Just come back, come to me. So uh, it's nothing we can do that turn away from us, which is pretty awesome. Um, uh, announcement. Anything special you want to say about yoga? Okay, so, okay, so there's going to be a four-week session of yoga starting this Thursday at 7 o'clock. Uh, meeting down in Fellowship Hall. Uh, if you haven't been, you just drive around the parking lot, parking, go in the kitchen doors over there. Um, practicing social distancing, whatever the disclaimer we got to say. Um, so it's been all thought of. It'll be cleaned and it'll be well spread apart. It's a big room. So it's open to anybody. She said no gentle yoga. It's all the hardcore stuff. So stretch before you come. Um, but I think that's all we got for this week. So if you want. We can stand up and we'll praise God on the way out. Clouds of 
this week, go out of this place, that you bless us all, God. Um, either bless everybody here with nice weeks or bless us with the need to lean into you more and rely on you more through a hard week. Um, so it's never always easy and it's never always bad, God, but you are always with us. So I love you. We love you. We praise you. And we just thank you for this beautiful day and the sunshine to go out to. Uh, just uh, help us show your love to everybody. Amen. Don't shake hands on the way out. See you later. <laughs>